This is the Negotiate X Podcast, show number 34, part B. You're listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online. Thanks for sharing that, Mala. I think those eight rules are, are pretty powerful. I think we just like hearing about different people's frameworks, rules, anything that they follow when it comes to negotiations. My next kind of follow-up here is as a mentor and a coach to other negotiators, how does gender play a role in the direction that you provide? That's, that's, a, that's a good question. And the thing is, women are not... From my experience, you know, I don't want to generalize to the entire universe. From the many people that I have taught, the many people that I have coached, women and men, what I feel is the women are able to think a little bit beyond today. They're more long-term in their approach. At the same time, they have a lot of fears. You know, what if I go in and ask? And they say, no, what do I do? The fear of outcome, fear of conflict, fear of offending other people. So more sensitive to all the fears. And, and that's what I feel the thing of, you know, they're not into deal making. It's not about, I want this. And, and women also, what I feel are more like what I'm saying, more problem and solution driven. And this is what I jokingly tell people. For me, it's easier to teach women what I'm saying, the rules, hmm. than with men. Like men, like, are you kidding me? Uh, kind of, <laughs> right. you know, you're, you're, you're saying. So, for instance, those, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to give example of one female and one male so that I can illustrate what I'm saying rather than just talking in concepts. Yeah, please do. I, I, they, these two were in a company that, uh, you know, the vice president had called me in saying, okay, there's a lot of conflict here. Can you come in? Is this cross-cultural or is this? And I went in, I talked to them and I said, no, 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 this has nothing to do with cross-cultural. This is to do with a woman and a man, <laughs> you know, and th their uh, perspectives, particularly in India, if you're a male and you come from more of a rural setting, you are very traditional. You have these expectations. And if a woman comes from, say, Bombay, which is like the New York City type, then they are very different. So I said, this has nothing to do with real cross-cultural communications. So I went and the woman said, I have to go to my boss and I want to be promoted. And it's this guy that is standing in the way. Uh, so what do I uh, do? So then I very clearly explained to her that, in, in, instead of going and demanding and cornering the person and making them say no and feel uncomfortable, why don't you start a campaign of building yourself up? You know, send in your accomplishment grid, create a list of accomplishments 
and send it to everybody. Start sending it to a certain level and slowly move up, escalate it. And within two weeks, people will start perceiving you differently. And then make it impossible for your boss to say no <laughs> to whatever it is that you're, uh, you feel you, you deserve. You know, that's a need. Yeah. And, and don't go there saying, I want a promotion, I want. Explain to them why you being a director would help you accomplish projects in this company. So when I, and she was able to do it beautifully. She did exactly what I advised and what I said, this is what, you know, I said, I'm not going to guarantee and I'm also not going to insist. But if you think, she was able to think about it more broadly and she was able to approach it that way. And she became a, a director in six months. It didn't like overnight. And she was the one when I asked her, what is your goal? She said, gain visibility. I said, no, that's not a goal. That's a dangerous goal. You don't want to gain visibility with the wrong thing. <laughs> you know. So, right. so that, and then I talked to the gentleman and he said, why should I? They all know my accomplishments. They know I've worked here for so long. They should give me the promotion. I'm going to go and ask, and I'm going to tell them how much they have to pay me. He had to get out of the company because he asked and they refused and he was unhappy. So it's the women are more willing to listen to the strategic way of doing things. Uh, in my experience, men are like immediate. This is what they think, the deal. I need the thing. And men are more about contracts, terms, and conditions, uh, very transaction-driven. Women are more strategic, relationship-driven, and they're more multitasking too. So that's where I found the difference. When I teach, then I realized when I work with men, then I have to give a different way of doing it, you know, a different approach. With women, it's a different approach. Did that address your question, Noel? Yes, absolutely. No, I appreciate it. Kind of building from that, because you, you you talked a little bit about the cultural value system driving things a little bit in that, in, in, as you started that piece. Can you talk a little bit more about cross-culturally why value systems matter so much, Mala? And how do you help clients avoid cultural clashes unnecessarily? I think the best way to do it is to have them understand where the other culture is coming from. Because I've done a lot of presentations and when I've gone there objectively showing all the so sociological theory about culture, rather than going and saying, this is what people in America do, this is what people in India do, these are the behaviors. You know, like one company asked me, can you give me the top 10 approaches to handling cross-cultural uh, behaviors, you know, the top 10 list uh, to handling people. And this was a company that is a Western uh, company saying, can you tell me how to handle 10 uh, tricks to handle Indians, Asian Indians? And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, because each person, I, I give you the background and then you figure out how you want to respond to that. And, you know, and most of cross-cultural, yeah. the problem happens is a reaction and what you want is respond. Okay. So to gain a cultural understanding, 
you know, for instance, America is all about individualistic, independent, transaction driven. Like in America, you can bargain or negotiate with a total stranger and there would be no problem at all. It's all about terms, conditions, contracts, prices, product, delivery. You know, it's all very clearly thing. It's very process driven uh, country. Whereas the Asian countries are more about relationships. They're not going to talk to anybody that they don't know. So if you want to deal with somebody in India, you have to find someone that can make the introduction to you. And that's about relationship. Contract means nothing. They'll sign a contract, but then the real negotiation starts after the contract is signed, because that's when you really, you know, and that's what a lot of the companies here in this country found that the outsourcing model was failing because Western thing was, okay, I've signed the contract. They're going to do what uh, I asked them to do, and they're going to deliver it on time. Time is a totally different concept in India. Time is about movement. Right. It's it's not about a stationary nine o'clock is not nine o'clock in India. It's somewhere, you know, in between. And in fact, the term for time in India is call. Call means movement of space. There's no, you know, so the orientation is totally different. So once the people here understood, you know, for instance, in India, they'll say, I'll try, which means I'm not going to do it. I'm just being polite. It's a very indirect way. There a lot of the uh, the people raised <laughs> here, they said, oh, I'll try. That means he's going to try. And they sit down and then they get very upset when they find out that they are not even trying. You know, for instance, uh, right. they are called for a meeting on Sunday and they said, okay, you know, we'll try. We'll be there. And then they found out they were at a wedding. So these he had called a whole lot of people waiting. So... <laughs> what one of the companies that I did the lecture, they said, I wish you had come in and talked before we signed the contract, because then we would not have wasted hours and hours and hours fine tuning all the contracts, you know, getting the best lawyers. And this is a very big company I'm talking about. And they had millions of dollars in this project. So to me, to understand the values. So the Indian values are based on when you look at the history, India is all about kings, hierarchy, royalty, and, and that still carries on. Relationships, you know, India, the people would not even say anything negative to their boss. If they cannot do something, they're not going to say that to the boss. So that's the way they interact with the client. The client is like their boss. So they interact with them that way. So that, you know, so to understand where they are coming, once the Americans understood where they are coming from, it was not like Indians are being dishonest and they are lazy. There was no stigma attached to that relationship. It was more like, okay, that's where they come from. So now we understand. So this is what we have to do. And I tell the same thing when I give lectures to Indians in India, that in America is very independent. It's very process driven. It's transactional. They're not going to waste time getting to know you in order to sign a deal with you. It's all like, okay, this is the project. And uh, what I teach Americans is when you're working with a country that is not process driven, not transaction driven, more relationship driven, community and things like that, hierarchy, 
then you have to lay down the process. You have to teach them what processes. You have to put the timelines and the expectations and what will happen if you don't meet the expectations. So, Mala, as you talked through that, it, it just took me back to what you were saying about communication signal uh, at the beginning and not talking at or to someone, but talking with, communicating with someone. And that sounds like in cross-cultural, that becomes really important as you have different perspectives on time, process versus relationship and other and other dynamics kind of occur. Yeah. And, and, and what happens is they never came to a common understanding before they signed the contract. Without common understanding, there's no negotiation. It's what is bargaining. <laughs> well, Mala, you know, you know, here we are in 2022. The last time you and I talked, uh, we were the early stages of this uh, this pandemic, and you know, the world is just it continues to change so much. Yeah, you know, I'm curious as you continue to work with clients here, given supply chain channels and or challenges and other things, from a negotiation perspective. What are your concerns? What do you see as the big obstacles, uh, I guess, and or opportunities that, that your clients or, or you see businesses facing today? Sure. Um, I, I think, you know, I mean, I hear a lot about the great resignation and how people are living in, are leaving in droves and companies are trying to give them incentives, you know, whatever, bonuses, time off and everything. But still, that is not making a dent on the, pro- the main problem. I think the main problem that I see, which requires a kind of a creative leadership, is employees are disengaged. They are not engaged with the company, with the values, with what they're doing. So that's why, uh, you know, for instance, when you are constantly going to work, You're interacting with people and everything. All that noise varies how boring your job is. (laughs) You know, I mean, I I don't want to say that, but, you know, that, that you're, you know, you're kind of looking at all those things and are enamored by all that. And the real, you know, what value are you adding to this job is lost. And then when you are alone, you're sitting down, I'm sitting here doing my work then suddenly that kind of comes to the surface. Okay, what is the purpose of what I'm doing? What is the meaning? Where is the mission? I'm not engaged. So that disengaged. So what leaders have to do is the negotiation here is what can I offer that will engage the employees? Do you think leaders see that as a negotiation? Are they understanding that that's a negotiation? I don't think so, because I'll give you an example. I, 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 I read about it a lot. Uh, I was reading it in all the publications. I was reading some articles in LinkedIn. And they were talking about how this company is great. They have this diversity and inclusion manager and that they are giving all these incentives. They are giving vacation packages to employees and everything. And I'm thinking oh boy, you got it all wrong. The people are not engaged. You know, yeah, okay, a vacation package, that's great. I'll go and then I'll quit after I take the vacation because mentally I've quit your company. The mindset, mind is no longer engaged. I've quit. So what do you do 
to engage. So maybe uh, three of us can work on a negotiation for engaging the employees. Dr. Deming is one of the real the guru of process change and change management and total quality management. He went to a company and the director of that company came in and showed covered full of all these plaques and awards and things like that. And Dr. Deming said, throw all of them because that's not what is going to get the commitment from the employees or change or improve the company. So I think hmm. they are missing the boat because the leaders are not thinking like leaders. They are not thinking in the audience language. They are not looking at the audience. They're not even asking the right questions. When I saw a survey, and I said, no, 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 you're not asking the right questions because when you don't ask the right questions, you're not going to get the right answers. I can talk forever about that, but that is, I think, <laughs> the main issue. Employees are disengaged. And the negotiation is about what is the common problem? What is the solution? And how do we come to a common ground on the options? Well, Mala, as we start to close this thing out, I was wondering, is there anything that we didn't ask? No, I think you addressed everything. I think all your questions, I think, basically surfaced the responses I would normally give. It was almost like a class on negotiation here. So I all the uh, things that I had in my mind and what I could share. The one thing that I would definitely request people is to read my book before you go to a negotiation class because you would benefit more from it because that way you're not going to let the tools and the techniques overpower you and use that rather than using your own intelligence to see when and how to use these tools and techniques appropriately. I think that would be the biggest takeaway for me, for uh, anybody listening to this podcast, is get internally focused and find out what your strengths are and then see how you can use the uh, tools and techniques to leverage. And I, I think that would be the biggest lesson or takeaway from our conversation. Thank you so much, Malin. Thank you so much for your time and joining us on the podcast. I know that we both really appreciate it. Yeah, I'll, I'll just echo that, Mala. Thank you so much for joining us. Folks, I really encourage you to, to go grab Mala's book, Beyond Wins. Uh, you will enjoy it. The internal focus is so important. My takeaway today is the focus on success, right? That it is a journey. It's it's focused on long-term. It really builds consensus about what is the problem. It's solution-driven. And then as Mala was just talking about challenges that companies are facing. There's a focus when, you are, when you're success-oriented, there's a focus on leadership negotiation as a critical skill for leaders. And I just can't overemphasize that enough. So again, with that, Mala, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. This was really good. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you could please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, we'd greatly appreciate it. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. 
Be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online.